when we talk about critical thinking, we, we want to think that, oh, they're smart. Oh, they make good decisions. What we want to know when you really dive into it is how do they make those decisions? What's their approach? Are they curious? Are they fact-based? Or are they, or they, they rely on instinct? Did they consider other options? How did they evaluate the risk in that? Uh, and then we also measure, we look at the speed at which they can do that. Some people are really, really good thinkers, but they can't do it when somebody's watching under the gun. Hello and welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday, and this is the show to help you explore ways to become the best version of yourself at work as a manager. Each episode, you hear from some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share your passion to elevate and transform team culture. They share insights in self-leadership and leading others. Together, we can make workplace culture better. Are you ready? because it's time to manage self, lead others. Described as a millennial trapped in a baby boomer body, Ira Wolf is a visionary thinker in managing the convergence of the tired, the wired and technology. A prolific blogger, podcaster and author, Ira's company, Success Performance Solutions, provides employee assessments and recruitment consulting. His TEDx talk, Make Change Work For You, became the inspiration for his latest book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, When the Shift Hits Your Plan. Welcome, Ara Wolf. Hey, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here, Nina. Well, I've been reading your wonderful book, and of course, you've coined a new word, Googleization. And of course, right. the minute you see it, you go, yes, we've all been Googleized. <laughs> but um because you've got a, a recruiting uh, HR background, you are going to talk about recruiting, but you've got some, you open up with some very interesting concepts about it being a VUCA world. We're going to talk a little bit about the exponential shift. You're going to talk about uh, the attributes of leadership and agility, agility quotient, and all of the, the six essential attributes of leaders. And I was very pleased to see uh, your reference to the need for micro learning, because as a as an educator, I'm a keynote speaker and I've been a face to face trainer, but I'm going full full bore down the road of my uh, micro learning in 30 day challenges. So uh, you're a man after my own heart. <laughs> so oh, let's let's open with when I saw you talk about VUCA, I went, I've been talking about VUCA for a few years now. Tell us what VUCA is for those listeners that perhaps aren't as familiar with that term. I love talking about VUCA. That was actually the theme of my TED Talk as well. I've been talking about it for a few decades now as well. And, and just to be clear, I mean, we talk about VUCA. Uh, I'm actually not a recruiter and I fell into HR by accident. What I wrote the book about change, about VUCA, about how the world was changing. I work with HR, I work with businesses. Uh, all my, my life's work for the last 25 years has been about uh, helping people find the right jobs, the right fit, working with companies, understanding that human capital thing. And in, in the sense of that, everybody thought it was like, oh, we're on this island. We're just talking about matching people. We're talking about there's, there's this ample supply of good people. We're gonna put them in the organization. And looking at almost from, as an outsider was the world is changing, how people get recruited, but how people work, where they work, why they work, 
businesses just were aloof. It's like, oh, people will always be there. We're going to change all these things and people will come. As we have seen around the world in the last two years, that's not the, that's not the case. So let's roll back <laughs> to go back to your question uh, is talking about the book. The first I wrote this book about what the future of work was going to look like, about how quickly things were changing, what exponential change was going to look like. And the acronym that we've talked about, VUCA, V-U-C-A, uh, has been around for a little over 30 years. Uh, actually, Warren Bennis, and, and actually 40 years, almost 40 years ago, he adopted that to say, we need to change leadership. We need to change the way business is going to be because it's going to be volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And if you look at those few four words and you look at the VUCA acronym and you talk about our life since, 19, since 2020, the last two years, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And everybody says, oh, this is, this is like a weather system. This is like a flood, an earthquake, a tornado, a hurricane, a tsunami, a typhoon in your neck of the world. It's gonna, come, it's gonna hit us, it's gonna come through, and then we'll get back to normal. No. Guess what? We're not, it, it's, it's not, it's not an isolated event. It's here and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and it keeps coming. And that's, you know, prior to 2020, most people didn't understand what exponential was. Now, all of a sudden you can ask a three-year-old and say, what's an exponential curve? And they can draw all that curve because that's what the COVID, that's what the pandemic look like. So this book is about change. VUCA is about vol volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And there's more than their share, enough to go around for everybody. Absolutely. And one of my favorite uh, slogans of yours is shift will hit everyone's plan. <laughs> that, that is it. That was the original title, by the way. Oh, right. And as I was, when the shift hits your plan, uh, that's my, that's our opening and our close every week on our podcast, Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Um, but as I was writing the book, I, I, I finished the book. And the question was, is what do I want to do with it? Do I want to just talk about change or how can I make it relevant for people? And since I was working with HR, more and more clients, more and more companies were talking about this was in 2016, 2017, saying it's so hard to find people. And I'm a marketer at heart. I mean, ultimately, I'm, I, I often kid and I say I'm a marketing company, a content creation company that just happens to be in the HR space. Uh, and so I said, let's talk about how companies, not how they can find people, but how they're going to have to engage people, how they're going to have to inspire people, how they're going to have to motivate people. What's the messaging going to be look like? And frankly, it was there, there's so many elements of this that just is common sense to to, to some of us, and yet businesses weren't doing it, is, is recruitment is really, recruit, is no different than marketing new customers. And companies would never, ever, ever treat their customers like they do their candidates. They don't ghost their customers. If they did, they won't be in business that long. They don't ignore them. They don't treat them poorly. They, they create these big splash pages, landing pages, promotion, bonuses, contests. They do everything to attract them. When it comes to attracting a candidate, well, let's put our job description up there, which is boring as all get out. And we'll see. And we'll have this flood of people that'll come in and we're going to pay them. And of course, they'll love working for us. 
and of course the the the, the mentality of uh, of the the managers hiring them is uh, we're just we're just hiring them to do the job we pay them to do they don't they don't realize that one of the eight good behaviors of a manager is actually talking about career path and in fact when i was working in television i would have still been in television had I had a manager that said, now, Nina, where do you want to go in the organisation? I wanted to become an executive producer. Instead, I was stuck doing uh, cash flow forecasts and I went, oh, there's no career here for me. <laughs> so I'm holding the second edition now. You are holding the second right, edition. Right. And yeah. on that, there was even more updates. And if I, I probably could have a third edition because the last two years, as we talk about with VUCA, things are always changing very quickly. And now on top of difficulty finding people, you have this huge exodus out the back door of this great, this great resignation. Uh, you know, in the US alone, there is more than 50 million people. It's, it's over, it's a third of the workforce quit their jobs in the last 12 months. And every month, four and a half million people, more people quit their jobs every month. Have you nailed the reason why? I mean, I've got a theory, but uh, you're, you're oh. the expert. <laughs> toxic cultures oh right toxic but the thing is they were putting up with it before and if they were working from home they had a chance to reflect and it's not toxic at home hopefully certainly um and then they go i i, I don't think i want to put up with it anymore whereas before they were settling oh you're absolutely right if, if the pandemic had been over like it was expected uh, that, hey, you're going to go home for two weeks. No, it'll be a month. No, it'll be two months. No, it'll be three months. Uh, and then you come back to work. Um, they probably would have continued to get away with it. In fact, there was a new, uh, there was a, a white paper in a study that I participated in. It's called the Everywhere Workplace. And they, uh, they surveyed 6,500 people around the world, all different uh, professions. And they found that 87% 87% said they do not want to go to back to work full time. 13% yeah, said, yeah, we'd love what, to give. That's not what companies were thinking. Ernst Young no. did a, EY did a, did a, uh, did a, st a study on that, you know, so there's a bit of a mismatch between what companies think and what they. <laughs> oh, the, the gap is crazy. There's been a couple of studies last week, last, uh, just the other day, Laszlo Bach from, from Google. Uh, came out and he said, oh, hybrid is just a fad. It, people are, companies are going to demand that everybody comes back. The, the banks said, we're going to require people. And now they're rethinking that because the exodus, or one is half the people didn't show up. They said, okay, if you want to fire me, fire me. I'm not coming back to the office every day. We'll come back when you need me, but we're not going to come back every day, especially if they have these long commutes and they're in the city. Uh, so they've backed off a little bit, but there's still this movement of, of uh, I, I don't remember who it was, I apologize, whoever had this survey, but it was almost 70% of managers said that they're going to require their employees to come back when 90% of the employees said, we're not coming back to work full time. Yeah, they're voting with their feet. Now, you do talk about leadership agility and the six essential qualities of a leader. And uh, one of the top is critical thinking. And to me, that's, uh, there's the French term uh, for, I don't know what, je ne sais quoi. How do you actually define critical thinking? It's kind of that little ephemeral concept. How do people know that they are a critical thinker? Well, there, there's so many components to that, Nina. It's a really interesting question. So when we're talking about 
uh, adaptability. We talk about adaptability a lot and, and critical thinking. It, it's, it's more in a change readiness. And part of that is mental flexibility. And, and one of those five dimensions that we measure in, in the adaptabilities uh, is mental flexibility, which is making sense. Uh, it's dealing with ambiguity. It's taking conflicting messages I, and, and trying to make sense of that, correlating what, what parts work and which ones don't, what, what's really different uh, with that. Uh, it deal, it, it's the, the ability to deal with cognitive dissonance, which we have you know, so much of, especially when you deal with politics and things. Um, so mental flexibility is, is a real component to that. But the other part of, of cognitive uh, critical thinking is, is your ability to reason, certainly, uh, but it's also the ability to do it quickly. And we, in, my core business is we do pre-employment and leadership testing. And cognitive testing was always a part of that. So there's a quality part of, of critical thinking, such as do you do your, do, are you curious enough? You know, when you talk about critical thinking, do you do your due diligence? Do you ask enough questions? Uh, do you reflect on your solutions? And so many people just take it for granted. They read the headlines and they move on. So it's curiosity. Uh, there's an open-mindedness uh, that it met, that we essentially look at. Do people have a belief, if it ain't broken, don't fix it? Or do they consider options? And either scale can be a problem. Sometimes things that work should be repeated because they worked. They're tried, they're true, tried and true. Other but sometimes you have to consider other people's opinion. You have to look at other options, but you can go down rabbit holes with that. Sometimes people just love a lot. Entrepreneurs love new ideas. And if something doesn't work, they hop to another idea and then another idea and another idea. So we, we look at that open mind, a balance of, of open-mindedness and willingness to change. How much do you rely on facts versus intuition? What's your risk tolerance um, you know, are you risk tolerant or risk averse? Are you cautious? Or are you impulsive? So all those, when we talk about critical thinking, we, we want to think that, oh, they're smart. Oh, they make good decisions. What we want to know when you really dive into it is how do they make those decisions? What's their approach? Are they curious? Are they fact-based? Or are they, or they, they rely on instinct? Did they consider other options? How do they evaluate the risk in that? Uh, and then we also measure, we look at the speed at which they can do that. Some people are really, really good thinkers, but they can't do it when somebody's watching under the gun. And there are times, especially in a VUCA world, where you have to make snap decisions on that front line. Think about our healthcare workers in triage, when all these things were happening, they had to make snap decisions. So it wasn't only their quality of their decision-making, it was the quantity of decisions that they can make accurately in a reasonable amount of time especially if they don't have all the information. Because sometimes people are, if they have time, they can make a good, a good decision because they can research it. But what happens when you don't have time and you have to do a scan, you have to do a triage of here's the information I have available, going back to our VUCA, dealing with ambiguity. Okay? We're close. I wish I had more time and I wish I had better information but I have to make a decision. That to me is critical thinking, is who are the people that can make a lot of accurate decisions based on limited information in a short period of time. 
That, that's excellent. And how would you recommend people improve or uh, improve their critical thinking? Is there a, a book they can read? Is there a practice they can follow? You know, there's so much and there's so many books. I have a good friend that's written a book on curiosity. That's always a good place to start. Just ask more questions. And if you're already you're a curious person, then look at what do I do with that curiosity? Do I just chase every rabbit hole, every idea I have, or do I formalize it more? So, uh, you know, like anything else, and I came from a healthcare background, so it's what's the diagnosis? And once you have the diagnosis, there's multiple treatment op options. Uh, if we if we come back to that, is, is curiosity would be one. Um, perception bias also goes into this when we're listening. Um, how, how do we overcome that? So maybe you're a highly curious person, you're very, very smart, but you have particular biases. Uh, and so how do you recognize that the biases don't get in the way, uh, especially moving forward? Um, so there, there's, there's not one particular book. I think it's like everything else going back to, you know, well, we knew, we knew this for a long time, but, you know, Stephen Covey said, first understand yourself. Um, exactly. It's understand first, where you are. What's the what is it? Seek first to understand before you right. uh, are understood. Um, Self-awareness is key. You know, it's the beginning of emotional intelligence. It's is who are you? Who am I? How do I see the world? And now let's talk about that. That's right. Now you talk about putting the human uh, or keeping the human in uh, in in HR. And I was very interested to see that continuous learning, passion for continuous learning is one of these essential skills of leaders. But mm -hmm. you you talk about the the role of micro learning, bite-sized learning, and that's a path I've been uh, traveling down. So what's your thoughts around that, please, Ira? Well, the thoughts are, are very strong, very parallel. We actually, I, I swore I would never build a program on my own. I didn't want to be software. I didn't want to do that. And based on what we were finding with the adaptability quotient, one of those other factors, I mentioned um, mental flexibility, but growth mindset is part of that, as well as grit, as well as grit, resilience, and unlearning. So those were those five dimensions. Unlearning. 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 <laughs> unlearning. Yeah, what, what's, what worked but doesn't work anymore? We have to make rooms in our brains. I'm, I'm an older baby boomer. I don't, I, if, if I, it's like taking care of your closet. If you buy something, get rid of something, right? <laughs> if I awesome. learn something, get rid of something that doesn't work anymore. But growth mindset was, was sort of the core of that. And I found that a lot of people didn't have that. And then the question, just as you asked me, how do we learn? How do we become better critical thinkers? And there, there were books on it. There was, there's courses on it. We now have podcasts on, that we can we learn have from. have a podcast on it. And I work, I was working with a, a team, actually, uh, he's a partner, my partner on the co-host actually is a partner in this other company, and they focus on micro learning. So we set out to have a 30 day journey on how people can develop a growth mindset. How can they open their ideas? How can they get okay with, hey, I'm going to try something new, but I've always been successful. You know, if, if I'm, if I'm an expert, or if I'm being paid to do something and I say, I'd like to learn that, but I might make a mistake. And then people and they go, well, I thought you had all the answers. You're the expert. Or uh, you think about students. Uh, if I try something new and I don't get an A, then I won't have my good grade. Or I, people may not think as I'm, as I'm as smart as, I, I, as they think I am. Therefore, I won't get that job. 
Or if I'm a, an employee, I'm a manager, and I want to get promoted, and I have a great idea, but what if it doesn't work, then I won't get that promotion. Uh, so people stop trying to do things, right. trying to learn new things. So we said, how can we get over that? So we, we literally built a 30-day microlearning program, five, five to 10 minutes every day is all that's required. And it just introduces that, what have you tried differently today? What are some of those fixed mindset ideas? I'm, I'm too old to learn. I'm an older baby boomer. I'm, I'm constantly on that learn. And then I hear people that are saying they're 30 years old going, I'm, you know, I'm out of school. I'm too, learn I'm too old to do that. I'm not very good at math. I I'm not very good at technology. I could never be a parent. I could never do this. They have a long list of things that they can never long do. list of limiting beliefs. Right. How do we stop that? And you don't stop it by going to a three-hour Tony Robbins, jump up and down. Hey, look in the mirror and just say you can do it. And, and all of a sudden you can do it. I don't care. I can stare in, stare in the mirror as long as I want, and I will never be able to dunk a basketball. Uh, but there, you know, but I can learn how to jump higher. I can learn how to do things. I'm maybe a little bit too old at this point to be able to do that. Ten hoops a day, every day for thirty days. Right, and the important thing is is not necessarily dunking the basketball. It's getting the ball through the hoops. So, what's another way to do it? And but if you don't try it, it will never happen. So, the micro learning. We all are micro learning. If I need to learn something, I pick up my phone and I search Google or YouTube. That's micro learning. People say, well, micro learning doesn't work. Really? I mean, how many people, if you want to, if you want to bake a cake, uh, we just got a, a, a new air fryer. And it's like, how long do you put it in there? I'm learning because I could do it in seconds. I don't have to take a course. I don't have to buy a cookbook. I don't have to go online. I don't have to listen. That's micro learning. And that's, that's how we're learning. And it's really, really, really effective. And my challenge, Ira, is I've been posting on LinkedIn a poll and also sending the poll out to, I've got thousands of subscribers to my blog, saying, which would you prefer, a two-hour uh, virtual live online session or a 30-day challenge, five minutes a day? The majority still go for the two-hour lesson. And I know with the people that have been doing our five minutes a day, they are getting such better results. And the other thing I notice is when I'm delivering in front of a group, they all nod their heads like they're understanding, but they're not applying. And then because of the comments I see in the 30-day challenges, I go, I didn't know people didn't know that. It's like you actually do have that peer-to-peer -peer support and that chance to drip feed and just gradually, incrementally apply day by day. So I heartily endorse your uh, 30 day, 30 day approach. And then again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the expert in it. I'm, I'm learning and I rely on other people to be able to do it, but it, it absolutely is the way that, that we learn, uh, you know, and for years they called it the sheep dip. You know, when I came into this field and I, and I really, I, I wasn't a trainer uh, where a lot of people were and they made their living and, and it was the best that we had at the time. But the reality is, is that the statistics were just astonishing that within 24 hours after somebody leaving a seven day, pro, a seven hour program, that 90% of the information that they, they learned the day before, they forgot. The uh, and then it, getting. It's been around for a long time. Mr. Ebbinghaus in 1897 proved that we, we lose two thirds of everything within 48 hours. Right. So I, I don't know why so many people are stuck 
Um, you know, maybe it's just this, as I talk about it, this addiction to the past, the addiction to certainty. Uh, if we can go there, I don't have time to do that five hours a day, but if I, I could carve out, I can put in my calendar for two hours and get this brain dump and then I'm fixed. You know, it, it's, it's almost on people really struggle with, they struggle with change. It's that behavior. Maybe if I can get all the information at one time, it'll be easier. It'll be more convenient. I can check that off my list and go, well, at least I tried. And, and doing, making a commitment for 30 days obviously seems to be pretty hard for people. I, I don't know how else they're going to do it, but good luck if they're, if they're going to sign up and try to get this this click maybe someday we can do genomics we can do a little gene tweaking oh and... yeah that is, i think that anyone that engages me i think that's secretly what they hope i can do well in the moment i'll i'll ask people uh, ask you how people can can contact you but before we close are you reading anything interesting at the moment or or in the last year what's what would you recommend to people oh my in the last year, I, I am an avid reader i don't read a lot of books but i'm constantly reading Yes. Uh, of everything. And, you know, most of what I, one of the best books I read and, um, and, and I highly recommend it is uh, it's called the adaptation advantage. Right. Uh, and uh, it looks, you know, it talks about change and, but a lot of it's about neurosciences. Uh, I, I think this was remarkable. The one thing that I walked away, I mean, there's a lot of things I walked away with, with uh, in new information from, but they talked, it was actually an Australian study. Uh, that was done of young people and they compared it to older and it talked about career change that that today's youth that is now entering the workforce will have 17 jobs and five careers we're past the time of 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 worrying about how job hoppers now we're going to have career hoppers these are portfolio careers where you actually exactly. have and here's the funny thing i've had a port well before i was self-employed i pretty well followed the portfolio career path look uh, how can people work with you i mean do you work globally virtually how, uh what how, what's your website well i, I work globally through virtually uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's pretty difficult, not it's, it's somewhat challenging to, to do a lot of traveling uh, these days. Um, but most of my work has been virtual. Uh, you can reach me through uh, either my personal website, which is irawolf.com. Uh, my business website is successperformancesolutions.com. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, YouTube. I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you ever want to reach out, see what I'm doing, on, on a daily basis, uh, multiple times a day, I'm posting something. Sometimes it's an oh, article, one of those many articles I just read, uh, just right before we went on, uh, right before we recorded, I actually just posted our uh, newsletter, uh, which is called Never Normal News. So you can just go to <laughs> nevernormalnews.com uh, and uh, it's posted on LinkedIn. So lot, if you search Google my name appropriately, if you Google my name, I will show up. <laughs> Well, I can't wait to follow your feed, especially on LinkedIn. And uh, it's been a joy talking with you today, Ira. You're a very wise person. Very exciting to hear your thoughts. So thank you for your time today. Thanks so much for allowing me to share. This episode, we've been speaking with Ira Wolf on the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast for experienced and aspiring people managers. 
I'm your host, Nina Sunday. Thank you for listening. Until next time, bye for now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.